You are now entering the chopping block. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is the Chopping Block Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, where we talk about life, music, and everything in between in today's culture. I'm your host, Chopper, and join us as we go into today's episode. Before we do that, let's have a quick word for one of our sponsors. Hey, have you heard about Anchor? When I was starting my podcast, I wanted something that was easy and affordable. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free. Yep, free. Their creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your computer or your phone, so you can use Anchor at home or on the road. In fact, Anchor makes it so easy it'll distribute your podcast for you, so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Best of all, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So, download the free Anchor app or go to anchorfm.com to get started. Again, that's anchorfm.com. Today's guest on the chopping block is someone who's overcome so much within the past couple years, and it's an honor to have her on the show. Everyone, meet Zana. Hi, guys. How's it going? Hey, how you doing? First of all, how are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling anxious, man. <laughs> like, all the time. Just just anxious. And uh, there's so many reasons, but um, yeah, anxious. <laughs> yeah, I, I think a lot of us are anxious right now. Um, there, there's so many uncertain things going on in, in society today. It's nuts, man. Like I uh, just like try to stay off social media and I'm trying just to focus right now. But like there's just it's so hard to plan or do anything because there's just so much uncertainty in the air. And like I've really felt like there's been good things with this uh, quarantine and then there's been some bad things. And now like just quarantine's out the window right now. Like nobody cares about quarantining. It's all about uh, the protests and rioting and, 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 you know, I'm, I'm not saying I'm, I'm against what they're standing for. I'm just like, whoa, this is just crazy. It's been a, it's been a wild ride this year for sure. Yeah, it definitely has. I mean, there's, I, I agree with what's happening. I don't agree with the violence that's happening and, you know, the looting and all that, but you know, you got to stand up for what you believe in. And I get that. I think everybody needs to stand up for what they believe in. And, you know, there's ways to do it. And I don't know if it's the same with where you are, but um, here, like, all the, the Black Lives Matter protests have all been, like, really, really calm. It's wow. when they all leave, that's when the, the the looting happens. And the people who – it's like it's weird. It's people come, like, an hour after the protest ends. And then that's when things start getting out of hand here. Yeah, I I pretty much like I mean you have to be really really not smart to realize there's many forces at work here and you know you can't just denounce the Black Lives Matter movement because of the violence, you know? I understand that there is a lot of anger and people are rioting I mean, I, I can't speak for all the riders, but I'm sure that there's people that feel they need to shake things up so much because they feel that their their movement just hasn't been heard at all. And I think there's people who think they deserve all these things that they're looting for, you know, because, well, my, my, my system has been oppressed or I've been oppressed, so I deserve this, you know? Um, and there's a lot of mentalities. There's rogue mentalities. There's mentalities that uh, are in, that have integrity 
and that there's the, those that don't, you know? So it's like, it's just oh, quite a bit of chaos right now, you know? Um, I don't think it's right to denounce the movement at all. Um, I understand why people are angry. I understand why they feel they have to go to this extreme because they have not been heard in the past. And it's just so unfortunate because um, civilians are getting in the crossfire here, you know, people that have nothing to do with it. But those rioting think that, well, you should have something to do with this. You should be a part of this. And those who aren't, well, they deserve it. And that's not that's not a good attitude or, or a, mental, a good mentality at all. So um, I, there's just so many sides to it. Um, not saying anyone is wrong. I just think it calls for understanding. The looting isn't an excuse at all. But you have to understand why people are angry right now. With a right, rightfully so, they are angry. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and I agree. And they they have a right to be angry. Um, it, it's a shame, man. When I found out, like when I saw what happened, I, I haven't even watched the video yet. Like I don't want to watch the video. Um, I've only seen like little clips here and there. Are you talking about the George Floyd? The yeah. actual video. Okay, yeah, yeah the Same, actual video. Dude, it's so hard to watch. It is, and like I was talking to a friend of mine who's a he's a cop. He's a I'm colored, and like we were going back and forth, and he's like I I like cried over over this happening, you know. And I was like I'm I just sure. called him up to be like, dude, man, I'm praying for you. I, I, even as as a cop, you must be like scared just being a black man to walk out of your house right now. And he's like, yeah, dude, it's like a scary thing right now. And it's a shame that people have to feel that way. Understandable. You know, it's just like, man, it's like, this is what revolutions are, though. Like, no one really is safe. You know, is it is it or is it even safe to call this a revolution? Because right now it just seems like a resistance. I mean, people are angry. And like I said, rightfully so. Um, is America going through some type of societal revolution or civil rights revolution right now? Um, it's very interesting to witness. It is. And, um, you know, I, I, I've said this in man, probably the last like two years that we're, we're on the brink of a civil war. And it's I just I feel like the tension is getting worse and worse. I agree, man. I, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I don't know how to feel. And again, that's why I just feel so anxious. It's like you can't escape it. And uh, not that we should be trying to escape this. I mean, everyone should be involved in in understanding what it is to 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 experience racism you know um i think that i i I don't know it's just it's become increase increasingly more difficult to defend the way that these police officers handle things sometimes and it's really scary and i know i know police officers are, are good you know but there does have to be order you know, and I see like the police officer side, um, my old college professor, he still teaches, but he's actually in charge of a police academy. So I've been following his updates and posts and he's just, he literally laid out all the, all the training and all the hours and all the psychological evaluation and everything just to get into the police academy, just to get in. That doesn't even mean you make it. And yeah. all the training practices and everything. And, um, you know, it's it's definitely, I think that's where we need to start is, you know, how are these police officers being trained? But then again, what if they are being trained well? Um, I don't understand how this thing could have happened. I don't understand, even if I'm not a police officer, like just looking at the policeman's knee on someone's neck 
just looks bad, man. It looks wrong. I, I can't even explain it. Like, how could that possibly be safe for someone, you know, to be detained? Like, anybody crushing on somebody's neck just looks so badly. It does not look like restraint at all. It just looks like you are crushing someone's breathing tubes. And I don't know. Um, but again, like, I see the side of the police officers. I see why they have to maintain control. Not saying that I haven't seen videos online where they are like completely harassing people and shooting rubber bullets and all this stuff um, because they have to com- they have to have control. But I think it just starts with the the compliance with police officers. And if you don't obey verbal commands, then they start to feel for the fear for their lives and they start doing stupid stuff. And, uh, you know, that's why I'm just like, dude, anytime a police officer tells me to do anything, I just have to do it because whether I agree with it or not, um, we can figure that out later. But right now for the safety of both parties, like just do what they say, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. You know, I come from uh, a background of, of officers. My grandfather was a chief of police, um, in my city here years ago and my brother-in-law is actually it's funny he's in the academy right now so he's telling me like yeah that's just not how we're trained you know and same thing like what you just said they it's a massive like psychological test they go through of course yeah i mean it's it's just hard to believe like how something could have happened like that you know like there were four officers there you know um but i think Again, man, it just goes so much deeper, though, than this incident. Like, it is more about the cultural divide. I believe it's not about, oh, people are racist because of the color of your skin. It's the fact that people of color skin have different cultures and different practices. Um, you know, I'm, his- I'm, I'm Mexican. I was born in Mexico. There are cultural things that my husband, who is white, did not understand when he married me, you know? And it's not about the color of your skin necessarily. It's the differences in the way people live and the way the family's structured and what you guys do for fun and the way you dress and what you find acceptable and the way you talk. Like it, it's, it's deeper than skin color. It has to do with cultural differences and not understanding the other's culture, you know? Um, and there's things of my own culture that I don't even like. I don't even like certain things that, that some Mexican people do. I just don't, I, I just don't care for it. Um, you know, there are certain types of like things that I'm just like, ugh, rolling my eyes over, you know, like <laughs> I, I just like, for example, like I can't stand the whole cholo like dressing thing. Like nobody dresses like that in Mexico. And if you do, you really are like part of a gang. Like you can't walk around looking like that because you'll get shot like immediately. So it's yeah. just like, <laughs> you know, and, and you know, in Mexico, dude, I can tell you that police officers are way more corrupt than American police officers. Just being in Mexico, like you, you have to pay the police off like every single time. Like they, that's, you, that's the way it works down there. You, pay police officers off and they got off your back or whatever um that is that's become part of our culture i'm ashamed to say so it's like it's it's hard you know because i'm coming from a different country that experiences things a little different in police brutality but there is so much more outcry which i'm glad you know in the u.s people are actually listening to because in mexico nobody cares if they're just used to it at this point of how corrupt police officers are yeah it's kind of the same like i go to haiti a lot and it it you're like culture is different, you know. They they act completely different there than we do here. 
Um, but like the same way with authority, like it's pretty funny because every time they get a new president, as soon as the president does something they don't like, the protests start and they try to get that president out. And I don't think they've had a president in the last, I would say the last 20 years that they haven't been happy with. So like the first year is good. They do one thing wrong and then they start throwing the, the garbage around and catching things on fire. And it actually happened last time I was there. Um, they wow. were trying to get one of the presidents out. And that's amazing. Was, yeah. And me and Pete were there and they're like, your guy's going to have to leave early. We're like, what do you mean we got to leave early? He's like, because we're like, we're waiting for the, um, our flight was at like six in the afternoon. And the guy's like, we got to leave now to go to the airport because they're going to shut everything down. And it was like one o'clock, maybe, maybe even 12. So we all had to rush out, rush to the airport wow. and send the airport for hours because they oh literally, gosh. they were just starting to go crazy and start right there. That's so, so crazy. And it's it's kind of like what's happening here now, you know? Yeah, dude. And it's like, I mean, I know like like a lot of stuff in the U.S. is magnified, you know, because they are, you know, world power, you know, people in, in I saw that people in Iran and in India are like protesting too for black people. And that's great and all. But it's like our American mindset, like we, we, we really don't understand how good we have it here. Like, I don't think anybody cares really in Mexico how people are treated. And it's it's really sad, like especially against women like I've seen horrible uh horrible things that that there is a lot of sexism over there still too you know it's like when put in perspective with like the rest of the world like the U.S. has it very good I think um so it's sorry um my I'm getting notifications and that was really loud I no problem. I'm sorry I don't know if you heard that but that was I, like I did really I did it's okay loud. goodness <laughs> I don't know if I can just exit this uh anyway <laughs> But yeah, um, I don't know, man. It's just like uh, being from a different country. It's just like, why are y'all complaining? But I know why you're complaining. And it's just depressing overall. Yeah, it's really it sad. So, um, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, hopefully we'll get past this and, and this nation becomes better for it, you know? Totally. It's definitely and something needs to change. So Totally. And I, I totally agree. Like, Black Lives Matter. And uh, we can't be taking away that that point of view like we can't say all lives matter we have to emphasize black lives because they're the ones that are in jeopardy right now you know i really i really wonder like if 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 um you know if me and another black woman were to do the same thing the same crime the same way would she die over me because i am a lighter mexican you know I, i look white uh, so it is hard to acknowledge and wonder and, and just like my heart breaks around. It really does. And we, we do have to do something. So again, um, there's a lot of bad things happening with the riots. It's not okay how they're beating people up that are trying to like support, like protect their business. That's totally wrong. Um, but there's a lot of rage out there and it's, I'm just saying, stay out of downtown. <laughs> Don't yeah. go there. Just avoid but, it at all costs. And it sucks because like we just opened up this week in, in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, wow. And some of these people couldn't even, like, their places got, like, destroyed on Saturday night from, from this. I was like, man, like, you guys have been closed for months, and now the first day you're open, you have to close up shop again because of this, for, because of idiots, you know? Exactly. So. Yeah, and uh, here in Texas, I mean, Pat and I live in San Antonio, but um, in Dallas, there's a friend of... Uh, friend of a friend that has like a cop coffee shop and it was completely destroyed with the protests 
and the rioting in downtown Dallas. So, and then Dallas has a history too with police brutality. And several years ago, it was really bad and there were riots and, and shootings and it was nuts, but uh, it just seems to be repeating itself over and over. So I can see why it's happening all over the country now. It's not an isolated incident anymore. It, it is no. a nationwide movement at this point. Yeah, it is. So let's go ahead and switch gears. Let's talk about the, the next thing was that the pandemic of the coronavirus. So I know you were affected by it. Oh my gosh, yes. I don't even know where to begin with the coronavirus, man. <laughs> like, honestly, it just feels like a joke at this point. Like, it's so, like, irrelevant now. Um, no, but yeah, so my, uh, uh, we were on tour in the middle of March, and um, four dates in, we were just like, everything's just shutting down. I, we were in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and throughout every single day of the tour, we were, like, given updates and and, and we were, you know, finally in Tulsa and all our next shows were in Texas. We had like five Texas shows coming up and I was super excited because I'm from Texas and that's my home market. And I was like, oh my gosh, these shows are going to be really good. This is what I've been waiting to do. And uh, our next show was supposed to be Dallas. And then the governor or the mayor of Dallas or whoever shut up, shut Dallas down. So we're like, okay, cool. We'll go to Lubbock instead. We'll take a day off and go to our next show after Dallas, which was in Lubbock. And then that one shut down and we're like, okay, where do we route to next? Because and they were just dropping, like these dates were dropping and we were in Tulsa and we're like, where do we go? We don't know where to route. So it was pretty crazy. Um, anyway, our next show was like in San Antonio, which was fine because I'm from there. So I knew that we'd be safe there until we figured it out. And then everything just fell through as it is. Um, but yeah, man, at first it was really scary because it's like, okay, I had literally dropped so much money just to be able to start touring, uh, with a new vehicle and trailer and gear and everything. And, um, I had so many plans and everything for that spring and I had worked so hard all the way from January to March to get me tour ready and to train my, uh, players and everything. And just to like, it just fell through. It was, it, gosh, it was so stressful. Um, but thankfully, like the quarantine did really good things for me and my husband in the end. Um, it was a really good time to like make decisions and kind of reflect on what we had been doing this whole time. Um, and, and thankfully, you know, I'm still able to like pay my payments and everything. The first, the, the first, the four shows we did do were actually very good financially. Um, I'm kind of, surprised and shocked actually uh of the profit we made which was you know awesome for only four dates uh so yeah um but when i came back of course there's stress and, and questions and especially because i i uh on tour i kind of like wait tables on the side uh you know, just for extra income when i'm not doing music stuff and then all the restaurants started shutting down and i'm like okay now i literally have no income like at all um so that was scary uh but you know government came through and stimulus check tax return and like you know unemployment was enough to get by so we were doing okay yeah i remember like i was watching you guys on facebook and you know i was like man another show got canceled crap another show got canceled but y'all you guys you held out longer than pretty much any band that was out there i think surprisingly yeah i mean again like i'm such a smaller artist that like you know i'm kind of just getting started we were playing really small clubs and everything anyway 
um, and bars and stuff. And uh, it was only like a, a 10 day run as it is. It wasn't even going to be that long. So I remember though, like on the eve, we were supposed to leave. We're like, dude, I got Camber who she's the, the singer of Ravener. And she was, uh, we were doing a co-headline tour and our booking agent, Rebecca. And we were just like, girls, what do we do? Like, we don't know what to do right now. Should we leave? Should we cancel? And it was just an, an everyday thing, man, was new information, new decisions had to be made. Uh, we did what we could and that was it. And I'm glad we did though, because um, it was really important for me that tour being my first headlining tour to see kind of, it was more of a test run. And I'm really happy to say it was, it was very successful for what it was. Uh, so it gave me a lot of hope that like in the future, when this whole mess is over, like I'm going to be able to get out again and do what I have planned on doing for so long. Um, and now I have even more faith in it because I just, just with these four shows in the middle of a pandemic, we still came out good. So it was awesome. It was good. Yeah, that's great. And that's great to hear. Um, so we go back a little bit. Um, we met, I think it was your first solo tour, wasn't it? Summer Rock Fest was your first solo tour, right? Yes, my first headlining, or not headlining, sorry, my first tour as a solo artist, my bad. If you want to get to know somebody, be on the same tour bus as them, because that's what <laughs> Zana and I did. Um, my son's in another band, and they were touring together, and you legit get to know like what a person's like if you're on a bus with them for two months straight. And Zana, man, you are, you're like, such an awesome person thank and you man like you're you're so real i, lo- I love that about you thank you dude I, that was a blast man i swear marco and brian uh crack me up literally every chance they get they say the funniest just most absurd things like they are like my best friends me and patrick's like best friends in the music industry so when we had brian out this last tour uh filling in on bass uh for me that was just like oh my gosh the amount of just tomfoolery and laughing at the wee hours of the night driving in these random cities like scared for our lives but just like <laughs> okay whatever if we get coronavirus and die then so be it you know <laughs> like, it yeah was so bad. i can imagine i can, <laughs> I can imagine it was, it was really fun and we had the other guys there too josh from relent and uh, jonathan and uh, levi there's some friends from corpus christi and we just we just had a blast it, it was fun it was really fun yeah i bet man i i I'm not a musician, but I love being on the road. You know, yes. So. And Patrick it's and I recently um, we had to take the van down to Dallas for a long story. But him, you know, getting back in a van which he hasn't toured since like November, it was like exciting for him, you know. And so uh, he stepped down. He was the drummer for Random Hero for those who who don't know. But he stepped down uh, actually through this quarantine. And, um, you know, he'll be, he'll be drumming with me full time now, which is awesome and exciting. Uh, but he's got a lot of other projects going on. Um, but it'll be cool because I just, you know, we'll have him on the road now, feel safer, feel, uh, supported in that way. And, and, uh, I'm excited to, to tour again so bad when all this just disappears. Who knows when though? <laughs> Who knows yeah, when this is going to happen? <laughs> I'm really hoping that these, these summer tours pan out. It seems like they're trying really hard to get it going. So and I, I think agree. you're you're on the same four shows as Brian, right? Uh, three. So we three. are amongst the Giants and Zana are playing Kingdom Come Fest in Indiana on July 11th, I believe, or that weekend. I think it's a two day event. Then we're doing Chains and Chained in Springfield, Missouri, which is going to be dope uh, at 
at the end of the month. And then Life Fest, I believe, is the beginning of August, which is in Wisconsin. So if any of y'all listening, go ahead and go out to those shows and check out Zana and Amongst the Giants. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't heard Zana live, you, you got to go. She is an amazing singer and an amazing screamer at the same time. <laughs> Dude, it is not easy. Like, people are always amazed when I get off stage. Like, were you doing both the screams and the singing? Like, I got that a lot when we played in Germany. And uh, people were, like, outside and heard, like, a singer and a screamer. And then they came outside and saw, first, that it was a woman. Second of all, she was doing both. And, you know, like, a lot of people after I got off stage were like, oh, my gosh, that was you. you we, we saw you doing both. And I'm like, dude... Yes, and you know how exhausting it is. It's not easy. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, really it, I mean, yeah, Brian has a hard time. But I mean, he does it when he does a full set, especially when they have the judge as the last song, because the judge oh, is like a sc- it's screaming the entire time. Brutal. So he's like, "Man, I'm like, yeah, it's brutal for him." But uh, you remind me, like one of my favorite bands right now is uh, is Ginger. Uh huh. And I don't know if you ever heard of them. I think I have. But, yeah. Okay. So you got to look her up. She's a, a front a front woman who's mm-hmm. same great voice, and her scream is so low. Like I had no idea it was a girl. Oh my god! It's yes. insane. So See, I can't you reminded do that. me of her. I can't. But no, yeah, I but can't go that low, man. You can't go low, <laughs> but you don't really sound like a girl when you scream. It's uh... you know. It's fun. It's just, it's fun to try different ranges. And what people, like, when I do it in person, they don't get that, like, it's really loud. Like, I, it's not, I don't know. They're just, they're not ready for the volume. And when I was featuring on Amongst the Giants uh, track, uh, Obscene, dude, um, what Marco, Blaze, and and Brian, and Jeremy were all in there. And we're just like, what the? Because they didn't realize how loud it is. And and people think that it's the mic that gives me volume. But when when you actually look at pictures of live, like my, my mic is way back like i pull it way back just because i don't want to pop anything uh you know or peak right so um yeah it's it's fun though man i i think it's uh it's a cool advantage to have as a vocalist it's just another tool in your arsenal box that allows you to make yourself unique and, and heard so i love it yeah so let's talk about your 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 debut album as a solo artist you had uh, red for war it came out in 2018 right yes august okay. of 2018 it's gonna be two august. years here pretty soon it's gonna be two years but it's it's still a new album you know really? even though I'm it's too- so tired of it <laughs> you, you might be tired of it but there's a lot of people who don't haven't heard it yet and you know once they hear it they're gonna be hooked on it hope man i just uh, so for me it's a little bit older than that i actually started it like i used to be in a band called Ilya. we broke up at the end of 2016 and i like immediately started writing it like in 20 like january of 2017 so for me it's like and then it took like a year to finish and then by the time you know it came out and was released was already a year and eight months so and now it's been almost two years since that date so it's about almost like four years old to me at this point it's getting on four years old and i'm like okay let's let's do something new i'm ready (laughs) right so so what's next yeah so what's next is uh i'm writing a new album right now uh well i'm always writing man but i i feel um I feel really strongly about these new songs. I've been um, working with uh, Kellen McGregor and Josiah Prince and been writing some new material that uh, it's really, dude, it is so vulnerable for me. Like I just had a writing session with Josiah today via Skype 
And uh, it felt really cool because I think he was really impressed with my lyrics. And I'm not trying to sound conceited, but that's just awesome coming from Josiah Prince. Okay. Yeah, uh, he's, an, <laughs> he's an amazing writer. Yeah. And so um, it, it was really hard, though, because I'm drawing from a lot of experience uh, from my kidney transplant that I had last year, almost a year ago. Yeah, this month, it'll be a year ago I had my transplant. And yeah, it's been it, a year already, huh? I know, man. It just like, for me, I feel like two ways about it. Either I feel one day that's like, wait, did that even happen at all? And then I feel like it just happened yesterday. Like, yeah, I feel like it was just recently. Yeah, no, it was it was a year ago. And um, I don't know. I mean, something like that life altering, uh, obviously, either doesn't feel real or t- feels too real. Uh, so I just have had so much to say since then. And I don't I didn't really publicize like all the issues I had because of my transplant. Um, it was not easy. Like I kind of regretted it for like six months just because I had so many com- complications. And I was like, dude, was this even worth it? Like maybe I should have just like died instead because this is too much. Like it's too painful. My body feels so out of whack. Um, I know I couldn't even walk for like a month. Uh, I just, you know, I just responded really badly, I think. Um, and I had a lot of issues. I went back to the hospital four, four times within the first six months. And then I just went back uh, about a month ago. I was back in for another infection. So it, it just constantly like, you know, constantly asking myself, like, did I do the right thing? Did I was getting this surgery the right thing? Because I'm having so many difficulties and maybe I should have just died. Like, that sounds so bad to say, but it crossed my mind so much, man. And kind of in this weird place where you're just like always thinking about death. So, um, yeah, it's hard to talk about. But uh, I think these songs are, are, are really going to express it better than, than how I'm saying. And I hope it'll give hope to somebody out there who's facing stuff like this or maybe not even physical pain just like so emotional pain like such depression that they're thinking about suicide or death and i i just i hope it reaches them right you know it's i think the best songs are made when it's i don't want to say emotion because i think most songs are made out of them with emotion but when it comes from your your personal experiences and you relay that onto an album to me that's when the album is the most impactful or the song's most impactful i agree man like i just don't even think i could write an album out of thin air like i i've i've always been the one to write about personal experiences or um yeah so it's uh it's like why am i even an artist if i'm not talking about real things and my life you know what's the point i mean i'm not just going to sit here and make another cookie cutter song that I hope charts, but it has absolutely no feeling or depth or any truth, life truth in it. Like, why would I even want to waste my time writing that? You know, that, that, that's what makes me uncertain as to why people want to be in music. Like, are you really doing it for the the craft and, and being an artist? Or are you doing it just for like popular points and trying to be cool or something? You know, it makes no sense. <laughs> Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. So um, based on that, did somebody inspire you to make music or is this something you've always wanted to do? Like Dude, what, got, what got you into it? I don't know, man. Since I was a kid, like I would hear these these like melodies in my head like so strongly. And uh, I don't know, like I when I was little, like I just I was really good at writing like 
poems and stuff. And I got put in like a special advanced class or something. And I've always just been, I mean, like when I, when I write lyrics, it's just like, it, I could write forever. Like it, they won't stop. It's like a stream of consciousness that I just keep going and going and going. And it's my favorite thing to do in the world. Um, but more so, I think what's more important about being an artist is like this perspective on truth that you have to have, like this perspective on life that that you should have. And, and you know, it, there's a difference between being a performer and an actual artist because an artist creates and, and takes truth of the soul and translate it translates it into a media right you know so like mm -hmm. if you're if you're a painter like you are able to translate emotion and a feeling or a word in a visual piece of of art like a, a painting right. or a sculpture yeah, on you a know canvas or something exactly right so um we as musicians we're more just sound painters you know we paint an emotion with sound um and, 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 you know, whereas if I was just a performer, like I would just be focusing on the performance of something else that somebody else wrote, you know, and I could never do that as a kid. I hated, I never got into music lessons because I would see my sisters go into music lessons and all they would do was learn other people's like songs. And like my sister was in piano lessons, so she would learn, you know, composers music. And I'm like, why would I want to waste my time learning other people's stuff? I want to create my own stuff. And so I was never like into lessons. Um, eventually, I did get lessons, but uh, I, I definitely emphasized like that. No, I want to learn my stuff. I, I have this song I want to learn to to express and I need your help, you know. Um, so it, it, there's a difference, I really think. But as for like anybody causing me, I think that I always had like an, an, an innate uh just a natural, like, I guess, I guess I had a natural good singing voice. Uh, but the, the things that I reflected on in life was what made me want to sing. And then my dad was somebody who really encouraged me and um, sculpted that desire and helped me express myself by putting me in singing lessons, by buying me a guitar, by helping me to help myself and always supporting me in whatever I wanted to do. And I had like this high school band when I was in high school and he would like go to my shows and just like, he would let us practice in the garage and like, dude, just encouraging me at every single point possible. So my dad is someone who really influenced me to uh, pursue this as a career, not just for fun. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think like having a parent be that, um, supportive is it's key and we were the same way my wife and i with brian uh, yeah i was gonna say like that's exactly you you know knowing you and brian you're always there you're always supporting you're always like helping guide his career and i i just i love that man i love that you do that so much like yeah. more yeah. musicians need parents like that i mean imagine how many amazing musicians there could be if only they were supported by their families and given a chance yeah no exactly it's funny because like when Brian was a kid, he started playing drums first before he was a, uh, a singer. Uh -huh. And we used to like open the garage door and they would have like band practice outside and people would just come and watch them play as That's like so awesome. kids in middle school or maybe he was in high school at that point. But it was, it was like either the cops would come or people would come around one of the two. <laughs> so it was, it was yes, pretty funny. Dude, you we know, got we're like. We had little old neighbors across the street from my parents and dude, every time we rehearsed, it'd be such an issue for them. And one time my bandmate said something really like messed up, but he was like, they have hearing aids, just turn them off. 
<laughs> That's awesome. And I'm like, well, you have a point. If it really bothers, I just turn off your hearing aid. Like, you don't know what yeah, to tell true. you. Because no one else would call the cops or care at all. It was just them. <laughs> yeah. You, you always got that one person, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so earlier on, you said uh, that you uh, you did a song with uh, Monks of Giants, with the song I've seen. And it, it seems like now these days, there's um, you see more and more people collaborating with, with other people other bands who would you want to collaborate with the most yes so probably man it's hard but I, i'd say one of them would be uh taka he's the singer from the japanese rock band named one okay rock and i think his voice is amazing i saw them live he's just as good live uh i don't know if they write their own songs but there are some songs that i really really like that they've done so it'd be really cool to collab with them um i would love to collab with oh i'm trying to think um amberlin would be so cool i don't know if they're still around or what the rumors are about them but i I think i heard it they're getting ready to make another album maybe yeah man i'm telling you like people breaking up these bands breaking up it's always like really though are you really broken up (laughs) (laughs) i i saw their last show um, years ago, well, the quote unquote last show years ago in Orlando, because they're, I think they're from Orlando and we, I had no idea it was going to be their last show until like we were there and they announced it. We're like, Oh damn. We're oh gonna, wow. We're going to see oh, Amber Lane's last show. Wow. Dang, cool. that stinks. Yeah. For yeah. Real. No. It was um, my, the first time and last time seeing them. Dang. I don't know. I did see them once. Uh, they opened it for Under Oath, like back when I was in high school. So it was like 2008 or maybe something, 2009. And uh, I had never really heard their music. So I saw them without knowing that they would soon be my favorite band one day. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's crazy. That's the way it was with me and show, the Showbread. Or showbread oh, Showbread. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Showbread. Like, nice. I saw them at... Uh, at at Cornerstone, because Cornerstone at one point started coming down to Orlando as well and doing a festival. Uh huh. So, um, actually, Brian's first concert was a Cornerstone in, in Orlando, but um, Showbread was there, and I was like, "Who? Who is Showbread? Like, what kind of weird name is that?" And then uh-huh. they come on stage, and I don't know if you ever, if you know what like Josh Ties looks like and all these guys, but he's a skinny dude yeah, who's yeah. wearing like thigh highs <laughs> and with the tightest uh, dicky jeans that are cut as short as they can be. The the bassist at the time was wearing a, a pink boa. I'm like, what the hell am I looking at? And then they got on and started singing. I'm like, dude, these guys are awesome. And this is when Ivory was still in the band too. Uh-huh. Um, so they had the two screamers. I'm like, this band's amazing, you know. And dude, I, yes. I don't think they ever got as big as they deserve to be because they just every album was completely different. So yeah, they um released uh. Oh my god, I'm gonna feel so silly. I'm pretty sure it was them. The Showbread released a, a double double album release that was more like a, a story called uh, yes, Anorexia yeah, they Nervosa. did. Anorexia, yes, yes, they dude, did, dude. And I just remember, like, I still remember the story to this day. And back back in high school, I was really growing in the Lord, and I was just so trying to get to know this man Jesus and and who he was, and I felt like he had this calling on my life. And uh, so I was just consuming everything I could about God. And, and so I, I was only listening to these Christian rock bands. And 
I would, you know, do these devotionals and that my, my youth group had handed out, like anything I could get my hands on to learn who God was, like I was doing it. And when they released Anorexia Nervosa, dude, I just like, at first I didn't understand it until I read uh, Nervosa. And then all of a sudden I, I saw the gospel and what it means, you know, I don't know. People are not going to understand when I talk about it because they need to read it. But right, I, yeah, you got you got to read the album at the same time. Yeah, you have to read the album booklet as you listen to the songs. Um, it's kind of like a double media like release, and it was really cool. But but it, you know, it, the story I still remember to this day in the gospel, how he presents, how they presented the gospel in it was so amazing to me, and I just remember crying like when I got to the end of it, and I finally understood both sides because you have to you have to read the second one to understand what the first one really is talking about and so um it was dude it just it it touched me so much it it helped me understand better grace and and you know i was a pretty good kid i I never felt i needed grace really i was always you know a good kid until until you grow up and you mess up and you don't realize how much you need grace until you go through it and how much more you appreciate the grace of God after he shows you kindness and mercy when you know you don't deserve it at all. Yeah. I, I would love to just see them again, but yeah, they, I mean, they were like legit, you know, like they kind of like disciple, you know, they, they spread the gospel every time they played and, and they're still out there having a great time, you know, I know. Yeah, yeah, man. And I just miss that era so much, like of when these hardcore bands like stood for for God. And I don't know if there was stuff behind the scenes that maybe just made it appear that way to sell more records. I don't know. But what I can tell you is as a teenager, I really looked up to those bands and they helped me in my walk with God a lot. Yeah. I remember I was listening to a podcast. It was a few years ago. And I remember who it was, actually. I can't off the top of my head but they were saying like you know so many of these these uh, hardcore or metalcore bands like fall away because they were so young when they when they went into the music industry yeah that they pretty much they went straight from that sheltered life of of youth uh, ministry mm-hmm. right into the world of you know let's face it the music industry is not the easiest mu- industry to be in oh dude it's the worst and, you know, <laughs> and they yeah right and they just got stuck in it and if you don't have a solid foundation in Christ before you go off to your, we'll say your your next your, your next life uh, journey, yeah, your next venture, um, your next venture, then you're gonna fall. You, know, you, you really got to have that that uh, that solid foundation before you get out into the world. Or even, dude, even just like aside from faith in Christianity or religion, like you are not smart at that age. Like the brain does no. not fully developed to like you're 25. And, you know, I remember saying and doing things as a teen that I'm like, oh my gosh, why did I do that? Like, I, it's just literally you are immature and don't know how to act sometimes. And you are taken advantage of, unfortunately, by predators in the music industry who don't have your best interest in mind. Um, you don't understand business when you're that young. You think it's all emotion, but it's like, Dude, you, you you sign a contract and you don't get fulfilled. Well, yeah, you're you're penalized. Your you know your band gets dropped off or whatever. You know, um, there's there's aside from Christianity, you go through so much in those years. Aside from the music industry, you learn and you live and you experience things. And unfortunately, I don't know why people decide to blame it on God at all uh, and you know fall away from Him. But um, 
in general, you just learn so much at that age that you're not very naive and you have to go through that stuff, unfortunately. So, yeah. 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 You have to, you, you have to go through the, the trials and errors to, to grow stronger in your faith too. Yeah. Yeah. Or as yeah. just a person, just literally as a person, you are going through things at that age that you don't even begin to understand or know until you experience them. And that's what makes you grow up as a person too. So um, I really hope those bands like realized the bigger picture and I hope that they've, they've found their faith and, and, and come back to it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I know you have something else going on in a few minutes. So I don't oh, want to hold good. up too much more of your... Oh, you're good? Oh, you no, sure? I'm good. Yeah, I was just going to... Oh, hold on. My dad's calling me. I'll, I'll call him back. Uh, <laughs> no, it's all good. I uh, No, I was just going to make dinner for Patrick at like 8 because he comes home. So. Oh, dude. He, <laughs> he can wait. He can, eat, he can wait. <laughs> you know, some- him and... Patrick and I have got a little thing. I just tell him that he we we were on tour and he's like, I could eat anything I want and gain all or get what gain all day or something like that. So like, uh, yeah, exactly. But what's it that we say? I'm like, oh. and, he make gains. Yeah. He he can make gains all day. Yeah, I'm like, dude, <laughs> I can eat anything and I'll gain weight. It's our it's our little running joke that we have. But uh, man, he can wait till like ten o'clock and yeah. it won't matter to him. You know what? He's fine. <laughs> Yeah, we're having fun. Uh, no, yeah, no, for sure. No, dude, I like, uh, you know, I'm just at home, but I'm working on so many projects and the new record and everything. Like, I do not feel like I'm just at home chilling. Like, not to mention like housework and cleaning. And then you got all these projects on the side. It's a lot, man. Um, so sometimes I wish it was as easy as just going to work and coming home and then ridding your mind of everything else. It's, you know, when you're a musician, dude, there's so much you have to juggle. You have to be really motivated you have to be able to um, like manage yourself and, and grow yourself and make yourself better. And dude, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And God forbid you have a, a song in your head, like in the middle of a shower, you got to jump out and write it down real quick. Dude, that has happened to me so many times and I, I didn't get out and I forgot it. And I was like, dang it, that was so good. <laughs> yeah. I, I think uh, someone was telling me about that one day. I think it was one of the guys from As We Ascend. He's like, I was in the shower and I legit like jumped out, got my phone and started recording what I would remember, what I what I was thinking. I was, he, and he and he told me, he's like, I carry uh, my phone with me everywhere I go just in case that For happens. For sure. Yeah. And I don't know if other people have experienced this, but I've written songs in my dreams. And sometimes if I'm woken up at the exact right time, it'll linger into my consciousness and I'll be able to record it. I've actually have done that before. I think, I think my song dreamer came out of a dream. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That happens. Um, I'm a pastor and a lot of times, like a lot of the stuff that I want to say comes out at two, three o'clock in the morning when I'm asleep and I'll have to wake up and start writing it down. Cause I'll forget the next morning. It's that consciousness, so, dude. It um, is, me, yeah. me and Josiah were talking about that today. Like we have a, you know, we, we, we do online writing sessions. So we have a Google Doc that we both share that gets updated in real time. And I'm just like writing lyrics in front of him. And I'm just like, dude, I know this may not make sense. Just let me finish. This is stream of consciousness. Just rolling. He's like, dude, I get it do right away. You know, like do what you got to do. But the, the subconscious is so powerful, man. Like, it, it is amazing. I don't know. Like God's creation is amazing. Our subconscious, I have thought about things in dreams that I've never thought about. I could never think about in my waking life. So it's it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, our minds are, I guess the old commercials say, your mind is a beautiful thing. <laughs> and pretty stupid sometimes too. Our judgment is oh, very bad sometimes. I, I think I'm more stupid than smart. <laughs> <laughs> I, I say a lot of things I regret right after I say it. 
gosh. No, so. yeah. We are all there. Yeah, right. So, um, what's been your favorite performance or where has been your favorite performance? Cause I know you've been, you've been all over the place. So, Oh man, honestly, um, I haven't done as many tours and shows as I'd like as Anna, but in my old band, Ilya, man, we toured like crazy. I think we had like a, the longest tour we ever did was like four months. And I don't recommend anybody to tour that long because by by month three you're kind of just like over it you know and we had already been doing four months and i was just getting so just agitated at all these things but anyway aside from that um we had toured a lot in in my band and and i think actually probably some of my favorite shows that we that i've ever done were in Ilya, um and uh, it was actually the the tour i met patrick on so my husband for those who don't know uh, his name Patrick Max Madsen. He drummed for uh, Random Hero, which is uh, also a label mate on Rockfest. But um, I met him for the first time while we were touring in different bands, but on the same tour. Uh, so that that summer was probably my favorite tour ever, just because I met Patrick and we were low key dating. <laughs> it was pretty obvious we were dating. Actually, there's no way to hide that. But um, yeah, and and just the the festivals we got to play, man. I remember like Creation Festival uh, was so fun, and we played like Big Ticket Festival in Michigan. We got encored. Just the wow. energy was amazing. Um, it was just so cool because at that point my band had never played these massive main stage festival, not main stage. One of them was like a main stage, but these big side stages, like they're, they're huge, man. So many people. And, uh, I just felt like, wow, like, like I can do this. Like I, I'm here, like my whole life I've been dreaming about this and here I am doing it and fronting a band and, and on these huge festivals that I used to go to and see these other bands. And it's just incredible. Um, so festival season's amazing. Again, I'd say like um, Creation Festival was my favorite. Heaven Fest was amazing in Colorado. I don't know if they're going anymore. But uh, and then probably Big Ticket Festival were probably the three ones that I really liked the most. Cool. So do you have any regrets ever like not being able to play um, Warp Tour? So as for Warp Tour, of course, I would love to play Warp Tour. Uh, it's going to be super sad, but I don't know. Like, I've just kind of, like, grown up since being a teen, and it's, like, it's sad, yeah, but it's, like, not make or break or whatever. I, I know it would have been awesome if it was still around. Of course, I'd want to get onto it. But the music industry landscape has just changed so much that it's, like, or maybe I've changed. Maybe I've just, like, not held on to things so much as I used to do, like, really early in my career, uh, you just kind of grow up and, and, and you get burned by people and you get hurt and then you get over it and you're still in music, you know? So whatever, like heartbreak is just a regular thing, I feel, in the music industry. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it is, I'm sure. Um, um, I know you said you had uh, the Chains Unchained, um, Life Fest, and what was the other one? Uh, Kingdom Come Fest, yeah. Kingdom Come. you have anything else planned? Um. <laughs> probably just going up to Nashville to write homie. Like I'm, I'm taking advantage of this time because, you know, producers are not touring right now and it's a perfect time to be writing. So I'm just trying to take advantage and get ready for the next big move or whether that's a huge album cycle, or if I'm going to be focusing on touring, 
um, I think all at once, honestly. Uh, I'm, I know I'm super ready to get new music out. I have some demos that I think are super awesome. I really love them and I think they're going to do really well, but I need to, I need time to make a good release plan for them. So I hope fans can hold on until then. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm excited to hear some new stuff from Zana. man. <laughs> yeah. So, um, to, to start wrapping things up, if you can change anything about the industry, what what would it be? I know that's a loaded question. Oh, my but- gosh. Oh, no one's ever asked me that before. Wow. I don't think I've ever thought about this. If I could change anything? Uh, oh, my gosh. <sighs> Um, I just wish people would go to shows again and I wish that people would not be so desensitized to new music and be more open to come out to shows and support bands. Um, I wish the attitude and the landscape would change basically when it comes to listeners and gaining new fans. Cause I feel like, I feel like now, dude, you just got to jump hoops to get new listeners like it's really hard to maintain attention of people when social media is around and no one wants to get up or go do anything and they just want to stay home and scroll on their phone all day instead of like actually having a real life experience um so i think that's what i'd change i I wish people's attention would, would would grab on quicker not quicker but sustain at least and go out to shows more yeah i wish they'd give like the smaller bands a chance you know, like there's so many people who uh, I'm a part of a bunch of uh, like metal, I guess, groups on Facebook and uh-huh. stuff. And anytime someone says, oh, who, who's this? Who's that? Or what's what's next band? And everybody's like, Demon Hunter. I'm like, Demon Hunter's been out for 20 years. Like pick a new band. <laughs> you know, I mean, I like I like Demon Hunter, but like, dude, like, dude, it's. It's hard. Like, okay, it's not the it's not for the faint of heart, man. Like, there are so many techniques and things you can do in the music industry to stand out, but a lot of it is perception. If people start associating mm-hmm. your band with bigger names and bigger stuff, unfortunately they have to they'll take you seriously only then. You know, they won't stop right. and listen to the music and actually enjoy it. You have to really work hard and hustle. That's what I mean. Like, it's really hard to grab people's attention now. And you've got to spend literally thousands of dollars to get some attention. Unfortunately, like, I mean, if you're not spending the same amount of money that you recorded your album with for marketing, your, that album's not going anywhere. Unfortunately, you have to split no. your budget to have the same amount of money to market as you do record. That's how much money it costs to get noticed. It's really sad. Yeah, definitely. It's it's amazing how much money everything costs to do this. And then not forget about touring. Like, oh my god, it, you know, obviously how much it costs oh to tour. And god. like, I think people don't realize that. People don't realize that. Like, you you got insurance you got to pay for with the with the the vehicle you got. You, you, most some people have payments on their vehicle depending on how old or how new it is. Then you got the merchandise. You know, there's a lot of money that goes into setting up a tour. Yeah, and you know, and and, I, and people like, but I gotta pay ten dollars to go. I'm like, dude, shut up. Yeah, and go. it's you know again the landscapes changed a lot, and um, people would rather just like stay home and get some type of free thing instead of actually getting off their butt and go experiencing something and letting loose and being free at a concert. You know, I feel like a lot of people don't really know what that's like. They've never done it before. Um, but again, I'm also a little desensitized. I go to festivals and I see I'm, I play at them, so it's like kind of hard for me to get excited anymore. I wish I did have that zeal again to go to a concert and just let loose and just enjoy. 
Um, but for me, I've been so molded by the industry that I look at all the different things that a normal person wouldn't look at. I look at the 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 band's setup. I look at their gear. I look at their moves on stage. I listen to their songs. I try to equate the commercial appeal it has like it's so messed up like i wish i could sometimes just go back to normal and and not think about all that when listening and just enjoy a good song yeah i I think once you become a a touring musician it kind of i don't know if it makes you jaded but you know it it, it does something to you i was talking to uh i I was at a show talking to like a band member i'm not going to mention any names but we were just catching back up with them from when we saw them last time yeah and i was like hey have there been any uh any good local bands that you guys have that sobered up for y'all and he's like man he was wouldn't even listen to local bands because half of them are horrible he was he was like it's sad to say but like we don't we, we really don't listen to them anymore and maybe we should because everybody's got to start somewhere yeah absolutely unfortunately the music industry has become this game that it's like oh you want information you want to know how i did it like you know that you have to pay and unfortunately though for the person that is teaching they also had to pay you know so it's like you're not paying me for my 10 minutes or 30 minutes or you know I do artist consultations and I pay per hour you know I get paid per hour to give advice to people but it's like you have no idea how much it costs me in mistakes and errors and failing and recording and and messing up to learn what I know now you have no idea how much money it costs me to even just become a decent singer. Has I can't even tell you how much money it costs me in lessons, in recording, and in, in all this stuff, man. Because it's a journey. Like you don't become the best overnight. Uh, that's why al- album releases are really important because you see the, the evolvement of the artist. You see how they have become better songwriters or better singers or better players. Like, and and that stuff is all experience that is not free. Um, unfortunately that's just how the music industry is. It's a big gamble. It's a lot of money, uh, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands in the long, in the long term to do. And, uh, that's why I'm glad that, you know, festivals are around because, um, thankfully the artist kind of gets, kind of gets to recoup that with festivals, you know, getting paid to play and also the merchandise. So festivals really are a big lifeblood of artists because we kind of wait. Yeah. until them to, to make that yeah. back yeah they definitely are so yeah well thank you very much Zana, for coming on and spending some time with me um one last thing is like what message do you want to give your fans and how can we get to your music and how can we follow you oh man i don't even know what to say in these times if it's even helpful to anyone um i just pray that you seek god in this time and just what is he telling you and um listen to that voice and don't care what anybody else thinks. Just listen to that voice and be a light in your actions, not just your words. Um, but yeah, guys, my name is Zana. Thank you so much for having me on chopper. You can go to zanaofficial.com to, uh, check out who I am or some of my songs. Uh, and my merchandise is up there as well. Zanaofficial.com. That's Z A H N A official.com. And if you want to go to the merch store, just go to zanaofficial.com forward slash merch. So, yeah, guys, check it out. Thanks so much for uh, tuning in and listening to me talk your ear off. Zana, thank you very much. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Zana. If you did, make sure to subscribe to our channel as well as our Facebook page and our Instagram. Our Facebook page is The Chopping Block. 
and our Instagram is the.chopping.block.